Yeah, actually, you know what? Let's do a little kid's time. Kids, before you go back, if you're really young, anybody who's a kid can come up right now. Two dudes. Dudes. All right. Why don't you guys have a seat right here, please? And I have a prediction. Yeah, you guys want to turn around this way. I have a prediction that I'm not going to have to call anyone down to remind you, don't test me like that. My buddy Truett. <clears throat> so, kids, thinking about what was just said to us, what was read to us. You know that there's a verse in the Bible, and it's something Jesus actually spoke 2,000 years ago. But wait a second. We need to do some math. Sorry. What is it? Yes, yeah, see, you guys are at the age where you still like math. I mean, you will always love math. I prophesy over you. You will... Always love math, even into trig. Not that exactly, but 2,000 is involved. Okay, so check this out. Peter, <laughs> it is a story time, but we have to start with math, okay? So, one time, this dude whose name was Petros, which we know as Peter, like Peter Pan, or Peter Pevensey, or Peter Cottontail, Peter, Peter, Peter. And do you know what Petros or Peter means? It means rock, rock or stone. Well, Peter wrote something, Mr. Rock, he wrote something, and he said, don't you know that one day with the Lord is like a thousand years to us? Yeah, I know, that's what I said. What? Wait, exactly. It's like, Peter, you can't say that. But he's like, hey, don't blame me. I'm being carried along by the Holy Spirit. So good. So the math is this. The math is this. Peter said, you know what? A day with God is like a thousand years to us. Now, pause for a second. I don't think that always means that whenever God says day, that it means a thousand years. But let's pretend when I said Jesus said this thing that I'm about to say to you, 2,000 years ago, if we used Peter's math, how many days would that be? Two. Risa, I should have known that you would be on top of the math. Two days ago. So it's almost like Jesus, who again, this is just a picture. He probably looked very different than that. But, but 
Just two days ago, he said this. So this is not old news. It's pretty recent. You know what I'm saying? If we look at it according to Petros, Peter, Peter, Peter Pan, <clears throat> Peter Robin, Peter, Peter, Peter. All right. Here's what Jesus said two days ago. He said, out of your filled up heart, your mouth speaks. Now, somebody raised their hand so we're not all talking at once. What do you think that means? All right, first Cason and then Zion. You talk with love and not with hate. Good. You talk um, what God has put, like sometimes God puts things into your heart and you say them and you speak from your heart and not your mind. You guys both said good things. Did anybody else have something? Cason said you speak with love. Not hate. Zion said, you know what? You speak sometimes from your heart what God put in your heart. Let's bring those both together. Did you know that because we were born into a sinful world, now, this is a little bit intense, but every one of us has hate in our heart. Yeah. Even the sweetest among us, deep down in our old nature, in the old J-Dog, the old Jaron, the old Zion, the old Isaac, the old Adelise, the old nature of us. We're going to build theologically on this much later in life. We're not going to worry about that right now. What you need to know is there's bad stuff in our hearts. Because of sin and Satan, there's bad stuff in our hearts. But the good news is God is greater than our hearts. First John says it. God is like, oh, human heart, I'm really scared. Oh no, that human has hate in their heart. I better run away. Father, this is Jesus talking, tell me when that human heart goes away. I'm scared. No. Jesus has never met a human heart that he's afraid of. In fact, he loves human hearts. Even nasty human hearts with hate. And he says, that hate, I'm going to pull it out if you let me. And I'm going to put love in. Yes, sir. Can you speak with, can you speak with your any voice? You, you wanted me to speak with my squeaky voice? I don't. I don't promise that I will, but I, I might. Just stay tuned. So God wants to take anything evil, wicked, hate in our heart and say, J-Dog, that belongs to me. I paid for it with my blood. <laughs> and Jaron's like, man, it feels so much better. I just feel happy. God wants to take the bad out of our hearts and put the good in. So that when we speak, we speak words of love. We speak what God has put in our hearts. But remember this. If you find some things coming out of your mouth that are not so kind, they're not so good. Sometimes they're not true. You want to pay attention to that and be like, oh, God, help me. Don't hide from God. You know that Adam and Eve, they, they, they were ashamed. They tried to hide themselves. God, don't look at me. I'm not bad. I just, see, I've got fig leaves on. 
don't hide from God. You can say, God, I'm messing up a lot. Can you save me? He's like, well, that's what I was waiting for you to say. I'll take the bad out of your heart and I'll put good in. All right? So out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. So let's say that verse together. Out of the overflow of my heart, my mouth will speak. So I'm going to say the first part and then you repeat after me. Out of the overflow, of, the overflow of, my heart, of my heart, I shall speak. I shall speak. <laughs> Good job there, buddy. <laughs> I knew you could do it. And you voluntarily put your mouth on the microphone. Uh oh. I think you actually touched it with your lips. That's a little bit scary. There you go, okay? Let's, actually, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to break it down on heart. Father, you have a totally blameless heart. There's no shadow in you. You're light. And, Lord, I ask that you would release light from your heart into the hearts of all of these kids, the ones sitting in front of me and the kids um, in the pews. All of us, Lord, would you let your light shine forth and expel any darkness? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we're going to put, put your fist in here. Put your fist. And we usually have to say this quiet because we have a friend in our community who he's sensitive to loud noises. But you know what? We don't have to be quiet tonight. So we can say heart as loud as we want to. I'm going to say one, two, three, and then we're going to say heart together. Ready? Heart on three. One, two, three. Heart! Yeah. Well, well done, my lad. And me pony lassie. All right, kids. Karis is taking the little kids and Rachel family. All right. Tommy, can you uh, bring the Bible, either one underneath there or uh, electronically, and read the message to the Church of Philadelphia? It's Revelation 3. I think it might be the beginning of, of the chapter. But just read it, what he says to Philadelphia. Revelation 3, 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, Yes, right. Who opens up, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who will say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. 
I am coming soon. Hold fast what you hold fast what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you, Tommy. <clears throat> Those of you who are on the dwelling text thread know that uh, for the first time in years, I felt moved to invite us as a community to participate in a corporate fast. We used to, uh, Karis and I for years at the beginning of the year, would do an extended fast. And I felt led this year to, for the first time in at least four years, uh, invite the community into this. Um, and as I mentioned on the, the text thread, and I sent a few little video clips, it's a 24-day fast, and obviously no one has to do it. And you should never feel heavy burdened or forced into that. It's an invitation but I do believe there's a special grace for participation at whatever level you feel led. It could be, I'm going to fast from this amount of social media or I'm going to fast from this amount of um, Netflix. Could be food involved. Could be drinks involved. Whatever, okay? I really, I mean, be led by God, but I don't think that this is the time where we like have to like really show how dedicated we are. Like, I'm going for the full-on just water, Lord. And I've had some fasts like that, and the grace of God has led. I don't feel at all led personally to that right now. At all. Um, but there is some kind of participation that I feel I can, I can do. So... That being said, um, the acronym that came to me was P-H-I-L for the name Phil, okay? And I believe there's some double meaning there. I believe God wants to fill us with his spirit. Paul said, and he used the verb in the Greek that means continually, he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit or be being filled not just a one-time experience. God gives special encounters, experiences like that at his discretion. He answers the cry of his hungry hearts. He sometimes ambushes people. He does that as he pleases. But I believe there is a continual filling of God's Spirit available to us. But certain times, like in Isaiah 55, he says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on Him while He is near. Well, God, you can always be found. We're to seek you at all times, it says in the Bible. But there are these times when He makes certain parts of Himself more available to us. He's like, I want to give you something. Here I am. He said in Isaiah, all day long I stretched my hands out to my people. There is a day or 24-day period, I believe, specifically for this community, although this can apply to 
anybody from Pennsylvania to Oklahoma and anywhere in between. I believe God wants to make himself known to us in a special way. Um, so that's just the overarching that he wants to fill us on this fast. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, when you fast, what you're doing is you're choosing not to fill yourself either with food or with something else that you fill your life with. These don't have to be bad things. Um, in fact, the point is to remove some things that, you know, God is normally his blessing is on. Okay. Sometimes it's a little excessive, whatever. But we are fasting, but when we fast, He fills. When we seek, we find. This is just a way to seek Him. Okay? And it takes His grace to seek. This is not striving to say, well, if I go hard enough, then... God will, I'll bend his arm and he'll finally bless me. That is not what this is at all. It's God saying, hey, I help you get some more of me right now. I've ordained for me to feed you a little bit more right now. To bless you in a special way. To fill you. So, come join me. So he wants to fill us. Um, I'm not going to do a teaching on P-H-I-L, but I do want to mention them again. There's two um, words for each letter that I feel God is highlighting during this fast. Now, this is not to be an exhaustive list. I don't think this is the only thing God's going to be doing in this community or in our lives personally, but I feel like these are some things he wants to encourage us with and some things he's like, watch how I will bless you in these ways. Okay? One P. Firstly, for the pinners, for Trenton and Rachel and their three boys, Samuel, Phineas, and Zadok, the priestly trio. You guys who have been here know what they've been going through, particularly with Samuel and his struggles. They have just been suffering with no answers. And they all they have is like God. They've tried all the medical experts, and nobody has answers after tests. They've gone through prayers with us, with other people, and they have sensed God being faithful. But you guys know they're in Mexico right now, really, because they're like, Lord, we're going to separate and put ourselves before you. One of the greatest things we can do on earth is lay our lives down for other people. Jesus said, it's the greatest love when you lay your life down for your friends. And so, I want to practice that laying our lives down. I want to practice laying aside some things that we normally enjoy for the sake of someone in our family who's suffering. And you know, the verse when Jesus said, um, the little boy who was... Um, demon-possessed, and the disciples couldn't cast them out. They had cast some other demons out. They came and told Jesus, Jesus, you should see the demons are subject to us. <gasps> She's like, I, I know I told you they would be, but don't get happy about that. Get happy because you're with me forever, written in the book of life. But they did cast some demons out, but they couldn't cast this one. And in Mark, there's several different accounts, and 
in the different books about this. But he says, Jesus says, look, this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. And again, it's not an earning thing. Jesus taught us the opposite of earning with His life. But God somehow ordains certain like spiritual problems and hopeless situations that our normal spiritual power, God's like, I'm choosing to require more for this situation. <laughs> I believe Samuel and I don't think any of us knows exactly, besides Jesus, what he is wrestling with. I feel confident there's spiritual warfare involved. It seems clear that there's biological um, brain struggles as well. But whatever the case, if we can put ourselves in a place to come inside, come alongside that word from Jesus... Lord, remember you were in a place of prayer and fasting exactly how you were doing that, Lord. We don't know. But if it only came out through prayer and fasting and it came out, then you had some kind of prayer and fasting going on. So Lord, this problem with our boy that we and his parents, we haven't seemed to be able to see the results that we deeply desire. We're going to set apart ourselves according to your word and then the results are in God's hands we can't make demands of God we don't know what he'll do with Samuel but we can show love to the penners and to Samuel so there's that um, the other P was Philadelphia which I'm going to come back to in just a, a minute about the church of Philadelphia okay and I think it's appropriate uh, Dad Miller's repping the Philadelphia message tonight. He's got his Philadelphia Eagles sweatshirt on. Eagles play a big game tomorrow at 1 p.m. I'll be rooting along with my father-in-law and my brother-in-law, Will, who loves the Eagles. The H, one is for holiness and one is for humility. We're not going to try to do a teaching right now on holiness and humility. Wow, we could go forever on that. But what I want to say right now is I believe God wants to fill this community with more holiness and more humility. And what I want to say to you is our understanding of holiness and our understanding of humility, God wants to do this. <clears throat> uh, that's not what I'm talking about. You think you know, but you don't. That's what, I, and I don't have all the answers, but I do feel that's what he wants to. And if we think we know what holiness and humility are, and he's like, oh, that's not it. I mean, that's pretty huge. The implications are huge because holiness and humility are kind of like at the center of this whole thing. If you throw in love, I mean, that's how it all works, faith. So that's actually like, it, there's a bit of, I think, correction for us. And rebuke might be too strong, but New Testament Jesus ends the New Testament with rebukes and corrections, okay? So, no, Jesus doesn't rebuke me anymore. No, yeah, he really does. 
because he rebukes those he loves. That's what he says clearly when he's doing the rebuking. I don't know if it's as strong as rebuke towards this community, but I think he wants to say to us, and I don't even know exactly what he's going to say, but I think the idea is, I want to tell you what I mean when I say holiness, and without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Man, please give me holiness, because I don't want to be seeing something else that I call the Lord. And the humble get favor, but the proud he knows from afar. I don't want to be known from afar. I want to show me what real humility is, God. It's different. That's what the word holiness means. Other than this. Even before it's any sparkling, white, righteous, clean, no stain. It's other than this. He's like, my idea of holiness and humility, it's other than. And I believe if he is saying that, he will absolutely have a steel backbone of the Bible to back that up. But as Keith mentioned, the best Bible scholars of Jesus' day who battered him over the head with the Torah, he's like, yeah, but... (laughs) They probably knew in, in his humanity, okay? In his humanity. They might have memorized more than Jesus did. Because Jesus didn't live as God, is all. He, he never changed who he was, but he only lived from his humanity. De- complete dependence on the Spirit. They probably memorized more than him. They battered him with scriptures, but the Holy Spirit, in real time, gave him wisdom to speak back to them. And he's like, yeah, you, you guys' understanding of these things. You, Holiness and humility were big words in their day too. He's like, but you guys don't understand anything if you're not viewing it through me. So I believe Jesus wants to speak even clearer to us in these days than he did then. He's got a lot of redefining to do for us. I, Israel and intimacy. I would like to open ourselves up to what God would inspire to say to us about Israel and how to pray. Um, you know, it's like kind of one of those moments like, Lord, you say to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. There's a lot of like not peace that's been going on for a couple months. And you say pray specifically for that city and bless Israel. Those you who bless Israel, you will bless. Like, we want to have your heart on this. We don't want to just go through some rote, like charismatic love Israel formula. We also don't want to like partner with this antichrist spirit that wants to dismiss Israel. Say they don't matter. We're the new Israel, the church. Yeah, the church is the new Israel, but we will never replace the true Israel. It's the church and Israel, okay? I would like for, I'm like one of the disciples, like, uh, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray, like specifically on this? And again, it's another way we can lay our life down. We were laying our life down for a little Israel family in our midst, the Penners. We are laying our life down for Israel. And we need God to show us how to pray for these people. Um, 
And then the other I is intimacy. And that really can like cover the whole thing. When you're truly intimate with God, you know His heart. You know how to pray for the penners. You know how to pray for Israel. You know how to make decisions because you're like John who was the picture of intimacy with Jesus in the New Testament. And the physical picture of how he lived his life in the Spirit, in the day-to-day, was when he laid his head on Jesus' chest. Some burly fisherman with whiskers and probably, probably still struggled with his language, but I guarantee you when he was in his fishing days, him and uh, his brother James, Oh, you didn't! But this rough neck fisherman it's like whoa wait a second i can lay my head on your chest come in man I, i'm just i want i'm alive for intimacy sounds weird saying but there ain't no better way to live that is the essence of our existence intimacy with god so if any if nothing else god please pull us into that place we we can't wrench our ways our way into his heart but we can say will you help me come into the chambers will you usher me into intimacy l who has a text thread i forget one l i know the last one's love launch thank you aunt debbie you were you didn't even peek at your notes. Launch. If I had a gold star right now, you'd be the gold star student. You would too, Tommy, because you were look checking your notes. E for effort. <laughs> <clears throat> love and launch. Love just goes right in with intimacy. But that love really, I, I, the way I was seeing it, is from the place of intimacy, that love that expresses towards the pinners towards Israel, and towards one another. If we are the new Israel, us as the body, man, I want to love you. As John says, not like indeed, or excuse me, not in word, but indeed. I have never been more... Uh, that's about the only word I can use for it, Eliza. I've never been more... Uh, about my desire to show love and my ability to pull it off. I've never been more to God and to people. I'm just like, Lord, please tell me that it's not always going to be like this. But that's where it is right now. Okay? I want to love in the grace that God promised us in the New Testament. Where Paul actually took it beyond the Sermon of the Mount, where Jesus said, love your neighbors yourself. Paul said, consider others above you. Prefer them. Man. I have discovered I can't pull that off. If God would give it to me, I would say yes. That doesn't excuse me or anybody else from like just running into selfishness. But it's like, God, will you 
will you let me be living love? As you guys have heard me say before, would you let me be a little volcano? Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. Will you let me not be moved and be a mountain, but not just any mountain, a mountain with liquid lava love on the inside? And would you perpetually, perpetually erupt from the core of me so that I just release love? And that my love burns up stuff. I just want love. I want to be liquid lava love. That's my desire. That's my great desire to be a part of a people who are doing that. And I've given it all I've got, I think, for going on 20 years to do that. And I'm like, well, God, thank you for how you've worked with me. But I just know in my heart there's a whole other reality that you have and you've described in the New Testament that I can't seem to pull off. But I believe God wants to do it through us. So that love, I'd like to grow in that. I'd like for Him to fill me with that love and to fill us with that love. And then launch. I believe God wants to launch some of us into new places. I believe he wants to launch us corporately into something. We've been in a, a long time of T-minus, you know, countdown. Like, um, and God has used us in different ways as a community. But I do believe there is a great launching. So, I want to go into those uh, in over a couple weeks. Break some of them down. But that, that's an overview but to just encourage us tonight about the fill fast and the reality it speaks of. I want to proclaim over us Philadelphia, which means brotherly love, okay? And I believe that is going to be other than the the great commandment uh, which actually, this is a part of the great commandment because Jesus says it's this one plus this one rolled into one. I believe our greatest spiritual weapon, our greatest weapon of warfare, um, other than just like wholehearted yes to God. Because you're like that and you've got a yes to Him, yes to all He wants to give. You are a detonator. You the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil, it says in 1 John. When you say yes to His desire to manifest Himself, and you say yes to, to love, John 14, if you love Me, you will be loved by My Father. We will make our home with you, and I will manifest Myself to you. And then the companion John epistle says, the Son of God was manifested. That means He's going to continue to be manifested in this way. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Son of God was manifested. He showed up. He was revealed. He was unveiled to destroy the works of the devil. So I believe our, the greatest decimation to hell on the earth will be the manifestation of Jesus, who is incarnate love. God is love, and Jesus brings us God. He's like, you know what God's like? It's all encapsulated right here. The fullness of the deity, the Godhead, 
dwells in him bodily. But then, totally inseparable from that is love for people. Because that's Jesus' love that expresses. So I want to speak over us the love of God that is not just in word, but in deed. I want to come under the grace defined in the Scriptures, paid for with the precious blood of Jesus. He died for this. He prayed it, the greatest zeroing in of the greatest prayer request moment in all of human history. John 17. He said, Father, I pray that they, all my people, would be one. Complete unity. That's probably the single clearest, uh, how do I want to say this? It's the most obvious problem we have as believers on the planet. We are so opposed to that prayer request. And I'm not saying like, no, I hate unity. I'm saying we don't know how to do it. You can have the best unity plan in place. You can have surface level unity where some things are clicking. But is that what Jesus is praying for? Like a united front to do some activities or you know, some outreach, some Bible studies. Those can all be a part of it. But when Paul says, I pray that you would be one heart and one mind, these are things that Paul prayed, that Jesus prayed. Guys, this is what he paid for. What Was the father going to be like this? I'm sorry, son. Eh, eh, eh. Bad request. We can't pull that one off. You prayed for unity, that, we, that they would be one like you and me are one, Jesus? Now, come on now. Sorry, can't pull that off. Not in my power to do it. Well, first of all, no, because that's not his character. Second of all, he specifically outlines that we will come into what's called the unity of the faith and we will attain to the full stature of Christ, Ephesians 4. That's where we're going. So I just want to be a part of a little, as I call us, uh, something of misfits. A little, little band of misfits. A little merry band of misfits. I want to be like the, like the toys, you know, the misfit toys. or, or that, Was that what we called? The island of the misfit toys? Father, Father, uh, Father, we can't seem to be one. We've tried and well, we've got a lot of black eyes and bruises and bloody noses and my knuckles are bloody because I've thrown a lot of punches. But we believe, Father, that though we are weak, you are strong. And we believe your word when you said that you want us to be one. Like you and Jesus. It seems impossible, but you also said with you all things are possible. So, Father, would you shine on the island of misfit toys? Would you come close to a church body 
and fulfill your promise to have a worldwide unified body of Christ? Would you do it, Father? Would you? That's that's what I had to offer right there. Probably the most important thing that I've said was that little 90-second cartoon because I'm just willing to be a fool. That, that's what Paul was talking about when he said the foolishness of preaching. That was the most powerful thing I've preached tonight. And I was acting like a claymation misfit toy. Father, thank you for being our dad. Thank you for being true. Thank you for inspiring Jesus to just do what you were doing, to only say what you were saying, to only pray what you were praying, and to be you on the earth. He said, yes. He said to Phil. He said, oh, Phil, Mr. Philip, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. Father, we we don't see as clearly as we want to. And we sure don't really know a lot of things like what's really holiness, what's really humility, and all the other biblical things that we think we know. But we do see Jesus. We do see You. And we're like, like that misfit toy. Like that little island, we look to you, God, and we don't have much to offer except a look to you, and we dare to believe your word. Would you shine on a misfit house? And this prayer right now is not solely for dwelling ministries, it is for all the little misfit boys and girls, individually and corporately, in every nation every tongue, every body of Christ represented by the little misfits who have come to the end of themselves and are just saying, would you, Father? Would you? Would you? I believe you will, God. But no matter what you do or you don't do, we're just going to praise you. We're going to choose to love you. Amen. There's some more things I could have said about the Church of Philadelphia and the way God had a good uh, encouragement about them. But I felt like it was mic dropping time. You guys have an awesome evening. Uh, we'll see you some point soon. January 1st, New Year's Day. The Phil Fast commences. All right.